0: Okay, welcome everybody back to the Kriya Yoga podcast. I'm here again with another very special guest and dear friend of mine, Ryan Strong, who is a minister for Center for Spiritual Awareness and uh, a doctor of Ayurveda based out of Sacramento, California. Ryan and I have known each other for a long time and um, being a minister of uh, CSA as he is, uh, his Kriya Yoga teacher is also Roy Eugene Davis. Um, so welcome, Ryan. It's good to have you here today. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. And I, I've talked with Ryan a few times about uh, discussing some interesting things on the podcast, and he had a wonderful idea, actually he had about four wonderful ideas. So We'll see how many we get through in the long run. Um, but the first idea, uh, he began telling me some stories about his initial beliefs about what it meant to be spiritual or uh, to be a Kriya Yogi and his initial experiences going to Kriya Yoga retreats and meeting uh, Roy Davis and so on. So essentially with this podcast, we're going to be discussing um, the Kriya Yoga Beginner's Mind you know, kind of addressing all the possible fantasies one might have or the things that uh, after you've been practicing for a decade or two or more uh, that you tend to let go of and outgrow and everything that we've learned from uh, once we first got started. So the story that you told, Ryan, uh, had to do with uh, a dietary experience in your life and uh, how that affected you.
1: So if you don't mind, would you go ahead and tell that story to, yeah. to everyone else? Yeah. When I when I first found out about Mr. Davis, it was back. Um, it was around 1999, and I was initiated in 2000. And so my first retreat was in in 2000. I got to go out and be at the center, and of course I was. Uh, you know, when you start off, in, in in a good way, we have a lot of passion. We have so much energy towards. Uh, the path, uh, but sometimes we can put that towards certain ideas that may not be, <laughs> may not be um, supportive. Right. It's, yeah. <laughs> and w- one of the big things that I thought was spiritual at the time, and I and I run into this with some of my students, and I, I'm sure you do too. It's it's how how strongly we can focus in on our diet and how we dress and how we appear to others. And I thought that to be a yogi was to be vegan, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just thought, I just assumed it. I just assumed that it's how it was. And so I, I, I had already been a vegetarian, so I just went vegan. And I went out there and I met Mr. Davis and was on retreat. And when, when you go on retreat, private retreats, you spend most of the time by yourself and you meditate in the morning with Mr. Davis. And back then you would meditate in the afternoon with him as well. And once a week, they would make you food on Wednesdays. They would make you a lunch and you'd come down meditate for a few minutes. And then you'd go into the, uh, the cafeteria or the, the food hall and he would announce it. So that first week he announced that he was going to be cooking lasagna for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know anyone. I, first time I'd gone out there, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a car. And when he announced that he was going to make lasagna, I thought it was a spiritual test <laughs> you know, and, just and for you right yeah, well and, and that's exactly what i thought <laughs> and you know and should I eat it and should I eat it? you know it has cheese and it. it has it, the pasta has eggs you know it's made with eggs and uh, these kind of things and i um I, I just thought about it way too much. You know, I, and I, I would go back to my room and just kind of contemplate, is this it? Should I eat it? Should I not eat it? And, you know, after a couple of days. I'm trying to, I'm trying to imagine
0: you going through this, you know, uh,
1: right. existential crisis over lasagna. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was having more of those crises than just this at that time. But okay. you know, one that was eating up a lot of my mind. And so I decided, I said, well, I'll do it. You know, if the master makes it, I'm going to have it, you know, that, that was the right idea. And I felt, I felt good about it. And so I I went down there, meditated, and I was walking into the hall and walking in from the meditation hall into the cafeteria. Roy was moving into the cafeteria as well. And he, it was one of the first things he ever said to me on retreat. He looked at me (laughs) and he said, next time I'll make you roast beef. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and you know just a little wink you know just a little like and he just and i didn't tell anyone i wasn't talking about this i didn't know anyone right it was supposed to be you know silent so i was holding all these thoughts in and yeah so i i i'll never forget that it was like he read my mind he just knew what i was going through and and he was making light of it <laughs> so, so in a way it
0: might have been some kind of test
1: yeah maybe you know it's hard it's hard to know right no no, it just it's just funny how we can get stuck on these things.
0: Oh, I remember, you know, you talk about him reading your mind. And I can remember um, many times you know, going to visit him in the chalet and thinking, I've got to clear my mind. I have to be completely clear because if I think anything, Roy will be able to, you know, take that opening and know everything about all the weird little thoughts I have in my head. <laughs> Did you ever have that?
1: oh yeah, you <laughs> tell your mind not to think dirty thoughts and or right. you know, bad thoughts. All of a sudden they just rush in, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 It, it, but you learn to just relax around them and that it was all good.
0: You know? Yeah. You know, one of the things I experienced too, uh, I talked about this before, so some people have heard this, that kind of sense of, uh, you know, like, is he reading your mind or your or. or Because you read Autobiography of a Yogi and you read about these great saints and masters and everyone perpetuates the mythology about them. And so you just assume that that's the case. And uh, I remember I was always sort of uh, intimidated by him, Mr. Davis, for that reason. And one day I was walking from uh, the meditation hall up to the the men's um, little cabin place.
1: The top house.
0: Yeah. And he had just pulled in to his chalet, and I just happened to be walking by, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to bring it up. And so I said, you know, uh, you, you really scare me sometimes. And I was being sincere, because what, I was like 20, 21 at the time, and he just looked at me, and he threw out his hands really fast, and went, boo! And then, <laughs> and then he just walked away. <laughs> and that was it. And then for some reason after that, I, didn't have, I wasn't concerned anymore. Like, I just had a sense of... All right, well, I guess that's the way it's going to be, so. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, that's what it was. After that moment, you felt relaxed around him.
0: Yeah, yeah. It just felt like we were just hanging out together. And, um, but you had
1: mentioned that there were other things uh,
0: that were going through your mind and troubling you existentially. Hopefully that's no, the right word for the situation. That first
1: retreat, absolutely. And one of the things, of course, uh, I thought I was very special. You know, it took me a while to learn that, that I didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Really. And, and when I went out there, I, I just expected him, you know, kind of like in the autobiography when Paramahansa Yogananda sees uh, Sri, uh, Sri Yukteswarji the first time and, you know, he, you know, he embraces him like, I've been waiting for you. He, you're my disciple and this is, you know, th- this kind of energy. And, and my love for Kriya and, and my, my feeling for Roy, I felt like that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I'd met him before, but when I went out there, he, he didn't, one of the first things he said um, in, the, in the very first, medi- he, so we'd meditate, and then he would talk, and one of the first things he said was, I see all of these people walking around, you know, he said, I see all of these young people walking around, mm-hmm. and as you know, there wasn't very many young people going right. that, that back then, there was two, and I was one of them. <laughs> And, you know, I was wearing white and I was, had my chest puffed up. And I just, you know, it was very spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> right. He goes, I see all these young people walking around. They feel like they know everything. He goes, mm. but they know nothing. Uh, something like that. And wow. I, I was like, you know, I just thought, oh, this guy doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so I would, tr- I, would, I would try to like make eye contact. I wanted some sort of attention right. you know, from him. And after a couple of weeks of not getting any attention, except for like, you know, just a little bit of, you know, he said that one thing about making me roast beef. I, I felt, you know, I felt like he didn't like me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a big part of me going out there at that time was to be recognized. And it was for my own ego. And I didn't right. realize that. And to be, you know, up there, and it's quiet. There's no cell phones. There's no radio. There's, there was no distractions. And that was really hard for the first time. I'd never been cut off from the world like that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I felt like I wanted to leave. You know, mm-hmm. I was this guy doesn't like me. This isn't, this isn't my guru. This isn't the right path. You know, I just had all of this doubt, all, all this stuff in my mind. And uh, I remember one day I, I thought, well, I can't leave because I don't have a car and my <laughs> plane it doesn't come for another week and a half or whatever. And, and so I'm just going to make the best of this. And then I had that thought. It came here for me my spiritual this spiritual path is for me to walk and I'm looking for all this reassurance from him and so I I said I can't I'm not gonna do that anymore. I let that go. And it was really like the next day I mean literally the next day that whole that's when I began my relationship with him. He came up to me put his hand on my shoulder asked me where are you from and you know (laughs) uh, these kind of things. And so feeling like when we start off we there's all this energy towards the path, but uh, at least for me, and I, I'm sure it's true for some others, it's that we want we want to be recognized for being spiritual, and when we find a teacher, we want them to recognize that within us. But that really is from a place of the ahamkara or the ego itself, and mm-hmm. and that 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 was you know that's part of that beginner's mind. And I see that with some students. I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm or they want to like please you or they want, they want to impress you or, they they want want to be your friend. Yeah. I
0: mean, you know, I I think that's part of the issue. Like when when I, I'm glad you brought all of this up because it's a very important thing to cover. I had a very similar experience, um, you know, with Mr. Davis, you know, after reading an autobiography of a Yogi and all these sorts of things, the only slight difference was I was trying to be all professional. And so when I first met him, I just like stuck out my hand to shake his hand, And, like, he was the first person who ever really gave me a hug. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because, you know, I hadn't gone to massage school yet, so I wasn't all lovey-dovey. Like, you know, uh, everyone teaches you to be in those situations. But um, after that, you know, it it was this very kind of – it it was a relationship of knowledge. And like you, I I never had – like, there was never any, like, specific – recognition in in, in any particular way and um, I was able to get through that because well you know I wanted to learn what was being taught there and I heard so many people like talk about Mr. Davis as though he was cold or aloof Mm -hmm. and I never had that experience and maybe uh, you know maybe it's just my own type of personality but you know I can remember even 10 years after after meeting him um, it was right around the time we moved to Asheville and I had discovered at the um, the farmer's market that there was a an older couple that sent that that sold uh, quail eggs and I was all about quail eggs I thought this is a wonderful thing so I'm going to bring some to Roy you know as a gift Mm. and by this time we had had a relationship you know we were I met with him at the chalet we talked and you know I had been ordained and these sorts of things and I I I was so proud I brought these these quail eggs to him. He just looked at me and he said, I don't want them. <laughs> uh, and I immediately started like launching to the health benefits of quail eggs, and he just walked away. <laughs> but but you see, that's the wonderful thing is is that like because of, of there was an understanding of what the relationship was really about. And it wasn't about kind of this idea of Kind of pleasing the personality, yeah. You know what I mean. I do. And and like you said, I'm interested to hear your your thoughts on this. But when it comes to students wanting to learn, um, you know, there are many students that I interact with through the Creative Apprenticeship Program and other online sources, and sometimes in person. That um, they understand that it this is this is for learning. This is for going beyond you know our, our little limited personality. And the, the, the relationship then progresses wonderfully because the understanding is we're developing knowledge, we're, we're devotion or, or, or you know, deeper realization. But then every now and then these students show up that um, it's like they don't really want what you have to share or pass on in regards to helpful knowledge. What they want is to kind of like chat with you or, or to be your friend or to, to get some kind of special recognition. So I'm just curious how you have handled things like that.
1: Well, I, you know, I, I think it's case by case, you know, and it, uh, I, you know, you, you mentioned Roy being aloof and, and sometimes that's what, you, it's kind of the energy that you have to give someone. Um, and it's not, it's not to hurt them or to harm them or to be, um, to do anything like that, but it's just, a, it's, we have to do this work on our, on our, on our own. Exactly. Right. And the relationship with the teacher could be, a cr- it can be a crutch if we are constantly looking for self-assurance uh, from them, we have to find that within ourselves. Right. And, and so it's, you know, it's a tough one because I, I I'm I love people and I'm extremely friendly, um, but sometimes you have to just create, you have to have really good boundaries sometimes. Right. Yeah. And allow people to feel uncomfortable. And that's something I learned in Ayurveda as well. It's to allow people to stew it, in their own, you know, because you can say something to make someone feel better almost immediately when you, when you sense that they're having a hard time. But if you know that they can find that strength within themselves, you have to sometimes just let them find it. Right. You know, having that space and being able to feel uncomfortable, let people feel uncomfortable sometimes. Right.
0: I don't know yeah. You know, the idea that, that I always got with Roy, I, I never had a sense of aloofness from him or, um, I was never too terribly uncomfortable around that initial fear, mainly because my own dad was pretty quiet and didn't really <laughs> you know, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, recognition for anything, so I just I thought that's how, you know, uh, elder figures were um, but, you know, the thing that, that, that was very clear about him was that what he was interested in, at least from my experience and I think probably yours and others what he was interested in wasn't necessarily your personal life it was in your the work you're doing and the realization absolutely you know it wasn't there was never never do i ever recall him digging into any kind of serious personal matters unless it was something like well you know do you have uh, do you have enough work are you able to pay your bills you know things like that or, or do you get along with your family but when it came to sensitive issues you know i always thought that um when you have a a guru or a teacher that they're really supposed to get in there and help you like figure this stuff out. Right. And and so whenever I would have an issue, whether it would be a relationship issue or even just a a personal, you know, growing pain issue. And I would bring it up to him. He would kind of listen to it for about a minute and then he would move on to a new topic. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: and I, I, in the beginning, I found that to be very, I was like, what's this all about? Isn't he supposed to be helpful? And it really bothered me for a while. But then after a year or two of that, I began to recognize why he was doing that. And it was because he, I don't mean to put words in his mouth, but it seemed to me that he understood his role was to help us understand uh, the path and help us understand how to have our own realization but as far as how do we work out relationship issues how do we how do we be successful with our our time and our money that you know that's just part of learning to be a, a normal person in this world that's not necessarily a spiritual issue
1: yeah i, I mean it
0: is in a way And i'm just what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah I, I agree 100% you know he would having a teacher that that doesn't work through it doesn't fix your problems for right. you you know it gives you the the clear instructions on, you know, how to work your path, and then says, "Here's some ideas. Here's the way to do it." But also, you have to experiment with the process and see how it works for you, right? But I remember one time, you know, and I did this several times, sending him emails or talking to him about, "Well, what should I do?" Far as far as a career. You know, and and he one time he sent me an email. He said, "I'm not a career counselor."
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's great. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm like, okay, all right. So what what would you do then? Well, <laughs> uh, I you know I, I I floundered for a while, but eventually I, I went into Ayurveda. And you know, looking back and at back at it, you know, I can see that he was very supportive of that, but he wasn't going to tell me to do or not do something. Right. We give the general advice. I remember he said once, you know, get get married and get a job and settle down, Mm -hmm. you know, so you can focus on, on this work. And so it was like general advice, but uh, nothing so specific.
0: Right. And, you know, a lot of things, I guess, you know, common sense isn't that common as they say, but, Sometimes I interact with uh, students and they just want to be a free spirit and they don't understand why every now and then I say, you know, well, do, do you have steady income and, and, and how are you doing that? Because that was one thing, you know, that Roy always did bring up while there weren't specifics. Like you said, he was very interested in an individual being able to be settled and as you, you know the value in that is what that if you're settled then you have time to actually go into deep contemplation if you have moderate stability you have less worries pulling you away from the ability to practice uh, the kriya techniques or contemplation or or practicing um, you know the yamas and niyamas and the uh, yoga sutras so um, i'm curious your, your thoughts on this because I've i've always had this idea that yoga and meditation, as far as, say, maybe the Kriya path goes, isn't really for healing or for making things perfect in your world, but that um, it, it's almost as if we need to do that first for ourselves, figure those things out for ourselves, such that then we we are really freed up to dig into the work that is, uh, you know, uh, spiritually clarifying uh, practices yeah. any thoughts on that
1: well I, I would agree i would agree and it's uh, to be stable and i think the biggest obstacle and this this is for this was for myself and, and still can be if i allow it to be but i can see it to be for a lot of a lot of folks and it's it's when it's that suffering that comes up and We all have it in different places, and it, it's how our world can affect our emotions and it's it can be really hard to be um, to be dealing with these ups and downs and to be dealing with with our emotional struggles and and to to practice and so if we if we're if we have regularity if we have money that supports us enough if we're not if we're not in that survival mode physically, that gives us the ability to also balance our emotional states. And that's right. different for everyone. Some people, you know, and these things come and go, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, but the more stable we are, the easier it is for us to uh, have the equanimity and, or that balance I should say. And, and I, so I think that's the, the real benefit of it. Right. You know, and then, you know, th- of course that's, the path for some people is, you know, to let go of all of that stuff and to be free from all of it. And so, you know, I I guess there's not one way, but that's kind of how I see it. Right.
0: Well, the idea of being free from it, you know, that's, that's a very interesting point because if you read like into the the Gita and then even certain commentaries I've read uh, from Lahiri Mahasaya, there is this, and, and he was a householder, you know, he had a job, he had children, he had a family. Um, the idea of letting go of it, there's this deeper um, sort of body of understanding that the letting go of it isn't getting rid of it. The the letting go of it is interacting with life, the world, your family, your job, while being inwardly, um, inwardly centered and not defining oneself by it. It's like that renunciation isn't getting rid of things. It's not defining oneself by what is happening. But but if you're, you know, if you do have, if you can steady income and hopefully good health and these sorts of things, that tends to make it a little bit easier because then you've got time freed up for your meditation and study that you might otherwise be directing towards trying to generate income or trying to get healthier
1: right. And just being in that, I like that. Just right. Without that, you're just kind of in survival mode mm-hmm. that can be hard. Right. You know,
0: but,
1: yeah. And
0: with that, uh, that leads to a, another kind of idea. And I'm just curious, you know, since this is about the beginner's mind and I can remember my beginner's mind when it comes to that uh, by practicing things like yoga and meditation and I'm And I forgot to mention this in the beginning, but Ryan Strong is also um, a very proficient Vedic astrologer. And in astrology, it's also there's an idea that if you just live in harmony with your chart, like if you get it perfect or Mm -hmm. if if you do your, your meditation perfect, or you find the right guru and so on, that then everything will then just fall into place. You will then just end up having everything that you need. You will then end up being as perfectly healthy as you need to be. You know, I have my own stories, but I'm curious if you had any beginner's mind syndrome about those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, well, it, 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 it yes. And the so strongly looking at everything as good, like this is good and this is bad, you know, <laughs> and then needing things to be good so that I could be spiritual, <laughs> you know, and then if things weren't ideal, then I couldn't, you know, then it wasn't spiritual and And so this duality really can plague me, and I think it can plague others and you know it's uh it, it, <laughs> like, like having the the ideal circumstances in your home like i I talk to some people and they, they i can 't meditate because the vastu in my house isn't right <laughs> right you know, and it's like no, you have to, you just do it, you know everything yeah. is God, everything is everyone, everything, and you know being you know being up on top of a mountain meditating is the same as as meditating you know in a bathroom at a circle k on the side of the freeway now you know avoid this avoid meditating in bathrooms if you can right, right. but it's essentially the same you know and of course there's the gunas and these kind of things to consider but to constantly look at like this is good that's bad it, because then especially in the beginning we can put unrealistic expectations on circumstances exactly before, like our teachers you know to not even see them as just we we could put them on such a pedestal and then and then if they're if they show any humanness or any faults then that can be crushing you know yes
0: yes and that's i mean so many good points you brought up there but that idea of the humanness, you know the first ten years of, of my uh, introduction to CSA and Cree yoga, I thought I had to essentially live and breathe and act exactly like Roy did, <laughs> yeah you know I, I was an individual who pretty much throughout my whole teenage years, you know, I had long hair and I listened to rock and roll music mm-hmm. and yep. and I was not like Roy at all. I was not a farm boy. I, I did not have any ish- I did not have any desire to have short hair, I did not have any desire to wear a suit and a tie, like none of that was of any interest to me at all but you know he was raised in a different from a different time he had a different kind of upbringing and those things were very important to him and i could never understand uh, that i could never understand that constant sense of you must look a certain way however because i wanted to be right and appropriate i thought well then i'm just going to do that i'm just going to adopt that and, um, you know, it took a while for me to recognize that that's not, as far as my own expression in this world, that wasn't quite right. And when, um, when Roy and I, we got into it, I mean, when I say we got into it, I mean, there was a couple like statements of, Hey, why don't you do this? And I was like, why are you being judging judging my physical appearance? Cause that's not appropriate. Right. And you're like, that was the, 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 the end of it. But, um, Uh, but when I saw that I thought why can't he see through the appearance and then I had to admit to myself whether or not he whether or not any of us have uh, deep levels of realization we still have our personality tendencies and you know when you're born in 1931 and raised in Ohio and when you've been teaching meditation from you know the the 50s to the 60s to the 70s there's a whole different kind of Uh, sense of as to how it's done versus if you were born in a time when for the most part meditation is pretty much well known and accepted and there's no need to prove that it is um, it it is a a thing that not only hippies do
1: (laughs) right (laughs) right
0: but to bring back to the point you know that was one of the things that I personally had to confront was this idea that you know, there's, there was no need for me to be a, a replica of, of Mr. Davis. And, and even though there was a, a little point in time where we had a, a pinch in our relationship because of that, oddly enough, about a year and a half after that, after it had been resolved, I walked in one day and i just gotten a tattoo on my, my left forearm. And you still didn't like tattoos, but um, I thought, do I hide it or not? I was like, nope, I'm just going to walk in and be as I am. And um, he looked at me and he, he looked at my hair and he looked at my tattoo. and what came out of his mouth was, Well, I'm glad you finally grew up spiritually. <laughs> and I, I thought to myself, All of this struggle, all of this tension, and like you in the beginning, was this a test?
1: <laughs> how did you get to that? How did, because can you talk about, like, how did you get to that place of, of just ne- like getting over that?
0: Well, you know, yeah, I'm happy to talk about it because I think it's kind of important too. Um, you know, as soon, as soon as I learned about meditation, I knew deep down inside somewhere in my dumb 19-year-old brain, mm-hmm. I knew that that was important for me to, to, to make a part of my life path, not just for me, but to share it as well. Yeah, I just knew that somehow. Of course, I had my weird ideas in the beginning, but I knew that. And so when I had first met Roy, the very first time I sat down with him, it was by the uh, the pond at CSA on one of those benches. Uh, it was after the first initiation. And I said, hey, can we meet? Because I thought maybe I should do that before I drive home eight hours and don't see you again for another year. And he said, sure. And for some odd reason, the first thing that came out of my mouth as soon as we sat down was, so when can I learn to teach this stuff? <laughs> and And he just looked at me and made a funny face and patted me on the back and he said just give it about five years and then, that, and, then he, <laughs> and then he and then he dropped it and from that point forward i had a sense that um that i needed to do this mm-hmm. and you know melissa every now and then when we would go to csa when no one else was there she would kind of catch me uh in the meditation hall like sitting in his chair meditating <laughs> she told me to to get down but anyway so because of that i had this i had the sense well if i'm going to do it i can't i can't i can't do it like like i am like i can't do it like like based on how how ryan's personality is that i have to follow roy's example to the t to do it right to be perfect about it and so within that, within this 10-year period, I was set on, I, I, I am, there must be, I'm, I must start a meditation center. Like there was that sense of that. And that's why I taught classes and I, I kept in my mind working towards that this whole time. And Roy knew that. And then when we finally moved to Asheville, um, Roy decided that that might be a good place to, to do a center. And so he came up and he did uh, a few seminars to generate interest. And then um, we found a place and um, Roy said, let's do it. And so CSA took care of everything with that center and it was all set up and ready to go. And um, I was like, great, I'm ready to go. I had my suit and my tie and I was ready to get up there and share the the good news and meditate with people.
1: The good news.
0: (laughs) And, um, And after a while, I started to recognize, wait a minute, I'm doing this in Asheville, North Carolina, and I'm doing it the way Roy wants it done, which is again, suit and tie, Mm -hmm. very to the point, get things done, which I personally appreciate. I personally understand that. But when I think about, you know, generating enough donations to get people in the door so that we can keep this thing viable, I keep thinking, you know, we need to do a, a, a kirtan. We need to do some things that, that speak to people in this community. And they were a little more new age types of people, you know, very different than, than Roy's approach. And, and we had this kind of constant back and forth about it. And it became crushingly stressful to me. I mean, it was, re- it, I've only had one other time in my life where I felt worse. And that was 10 times worse. But this was one of the worst times in my life. And uh, I just couldn't take it anymore. And so I, I said, look, I just, I wanted to do this for 10 years. And I'm recognizing that I can't do it this way. I can't uh, I can't continue with integrity and, and 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 make this happen. So we had a little bit of a break during that time. And uh, I had to work that out. So it took me about a year to kind of work through a lot of stuff. And that's when I decided I'm, I'm not going to do this in a suit and tie. And I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to try to model my behavior after Roy's. I'm going to practice what Roy teaches. And to this day, that is still my main focus. I I do my best not to stray in any way from what I learned from him because it has been profoundly transformational. So the core practices, um, I personally don't feel any difference in what he shared and what he taught and what I do. But as far as my presentation style, it's different. Because you have to be authentic. Exactly. I I couldn't do it in a way. I couldn't, I couldn't mimic Roy. And after about a year and a half, I finally wrote to him. We'd met a few times and I said, look, you know, this really hurt because I felt like I was being rejected. Like I felt like I was trying to be authentic and have integrity and that I, I personally was being, you know, cast aside because I couldn't handle it anymore. But he wrote back and said, I'm sorry. I didn't know that, you know, this This was hurtful, or or you you took it as hurtful, and he just explained, which if I had had any sense at all, I would have seen it. Um, he just explained, you know with Center for Spiritual Awareness, there's a particular way I like to have things presented as that organization, and um, you know you, you don't present that way, so that's why we have to do it the way we do now, and there are even times later on where I thought, you know what I can go back and I can do what he needs me to do, and he said no, Ryan, he says, your, your, your work and your, your ministry is successful. So you need to just keep doing what you're doing as an independent teacher, but recognizing that, you know, you're my student, I'm your teacher. And we, we're, we're all in this together. It's still yeah. like the family. It's just that you are doing what you need to do. And that is reaching people in a different way. So it was a lot of, I went through a lot of stress about that because in a way it was almost like uh I, I, when I was a kid, I didn't have a very close relationship with my father. I have a closer relationship now, but Roy kind of played that role for me. He was like a father figure to me. So to have someone that I looked at as being um, so, I just, I honored him and appreciated him so much to have a sense, which I created in my own mind of being rejected. It wasn't even real. Um, that was extremely painful for me. But I think maybe that's why, you know, at the end of it all, when I came in and I was just comfortable being whatever expression Ryan was supposed to be, that's when he said, well, I'm glad you finally (laughs) grew up because I think he was in my mind, I imagine he was acknowledging, okay, now you can be authentic and we can, we can move on. You know, we can, we can continue doing what we need to do in our own personal relation, interpersonal relationship.
1: Do you feel like when you let that go, when you let go of of trying to be a certain way and then being more authentic. Do you, f- do you feel like that really helped your practice?
0: Oh, absolutely. It not only helped my practice. I mean, I, I wish I could describe the difference, but um, my practice was good. But once I let that go and I was able to simply, you know, accept whatever it is I needed to accept, my meditations became deeper and longer and clearer. And then I also found that whereas for 10 years I was, trying to you know generate in people's interest in meditation like i really wanted to go out and save the souls you know and, and, <laughs> and, in, and introduce them to the uh to the power of, of kriya yoga it was after this particular transition in this rough patch that i just said you know what i'm not going to take it that i'm, I'm not going to take it so severely And I'm going to present what I know to be true and authentic and what works. And I'm not gonna go into any kind of fantasy. And I just started offering it through YouTube, through local classes and things, and no advertising, no real push to do anything at all. And it was at that time that all of a sudden, um, classes began to grow, interest began to grow. Uh, So yeah, I found that not only did it help myself, internally be uh, able to a- be able to walk the path with greater clarity but it also allowed me to reach for some reason I don't know why but it allowed me to reach more people and more people were actually more responsive to the work
1: so you think, I, because your creativity was able to flow
0: you know I don't know if it was the creativity I, I think for me it really boiled down to a sense of uh, just kind of honesty, And, and that's not even really the right word. Um, like for example, you know, when you're at CSA, uh, there is an emphasis towards when you meditate, there's a sense of, you know, honoring uh, the guru lineage and the guru tradition. Mm-hmm. And that is perfectly fine. And I still do that myself. So internally I'm, I'm actually still really a CSA minister uh, member. <laughs> um, but uh, I I had a hard time doing that, and I wanted to let people know, you know, you need to honor that that same light that you see within, say, Yogananda or Lahiri Mahasaya or Sri Yukteswar, that that same light, that is within you. Mm -hmm. And so when I would begin leading meditation seminars, I would tell people, of course, to choose to honor those individuals that they learned from but I would encourage them to really honor that light within them, which is the same light within everyone. And now that was just my own personal way of kind of connecting. And um, once I started doing that, uh, I felt more comfortable. Like I felt more at ease inside. I didn't feel like I was trying to share something or teach something that I didn't quite jive with. Like, for example, I love Autobiography of a Yogi. I think it is a wonderful book. However, I personally question a lot of the fantastic stories in that. Right. And so I, at at a point in time, I specifically said, look, you don't read that book to be wowed. You read that book to kind of get to the moral of the stories that Yogananda is teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And that became... Uh, you know, a lot of people didn't like that because they they wanted to mythologize and like really exaggerate the the potential and possibility of the spiritual practice. Um, But I couldn't do that. And then again, once I started approaching it from that direction, people started coming to classes and workshops saying, you know what, I I always loved Kriya Yoga. I always loved the idea of it. But I always felt like I had to buy into this um, fantastic approach to it to be accepted. And since you're not doing that, I feel like I can actually practice now so it's almost like it gave people uh, an, another avenue to, to walk the path and, and connect in a way that felt more authentic to them
1: authentic and also grounded
0: grounded yeah, yeah. so in that that in my mind is kind of what happened from all of that and and I, I hope people don't take this in any way I have the utmost respect for all of the creative lineage but to be very honest, I, I see them as, as human beings too. Like they are people. They had a body, they had a mind, they had a personality. Like we all do. And it doesn't mean that if you think that about a teacher that you're disrespecting them because you're not supposed to see that in them anyway. What you're supposed to see is that, that guru light, that, that which is beyond the mind, body, and personality. Like I, I would love to, I, I do, I love to encourage people to recognize that, you know, that is within you too, and Roy, I believe Roy under, oh, I know Roy understood that, but uh, it, it was, it was, it was a wonderful thing to interact with him during the last few years of his life, because at least in person, like when we were having uh, conversations at the chalet, like they were very much uh, down to earth types of things as they always were with him. But for example, you know, one time I remember going to meet with him and um I just kept having this realization that what realization really was or self-realization really was was right here and right now and that everything that we're experiencing is it meaning me talking to you sitting in this chair having a cup of tea earlier having an argument with a teenager two days ago (laughs) um, things (laughs) like that 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 is all that is all an expression of of god so therefore this is all it and i remember going to, to sit with him and i said I looked around and I, I said, you know, I've got a question. And he just kind of stopped the story he was telling. He looked at and said, okay, what is it? I looked around and I said, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but my overall sense is that really this is it. This, everything that we're experiencing, this is it. And he stopped and he took a sip of his tea and he, he looked around the room. He said, Yep, that's about right. And then he went right back into his story, <laughs> you know. And and one last thing I'll I'll say is, you know, uh, that I found very very important uh, in regards to my relationship with him. Um, he, you know, he was very close to Melissa too, my wife who had passed, and you were as well. I mean, we were all we were all pretty close. But um, you know, when she was sick, and we found out that she wasn't going to make it, and even though we thought she was. Um, one of the most helpful things he ever said to me was, "I wish I could perform miracles." Because he didn't say, "She's going to be better and believe in God and you know pray harder and these sorts of things." What he said was, "I
1: wish I could perform miracles." Yeah, he 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 was so sweet in that way. Yeah. So yeah. that's and and
0: that meant a lot to me because he was admitting just that life isn't to me what came across was life is is about more than just getting what we want all the time Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and and that was that was really kind of a a beautiful thing and then for me aside from that earlier you know uh, kind of growing pain thing like that experience itself was also an ignition towards growing. Because then I began, whereas I said, you know, Tim, this is all that, and he said, sure it is. I believe that in my mind. But when he had that response, you know, to what was going on with Melissa, for some reason it triggered in me this understanding that suffering, that, that life and death and illness and health and beauty and wellness and joy and sadness, that that, that is the, the, the totality of it all. And if we run around trying to, like, you know, only experience the positive things or not honor and embrace when something's not going our way, we are creating duality. Yes. And so from from that point forward, you know, despite the suffering that happened, well, there's been joy since then. And part of the, the greatest part of my own path has been learning to integrate and reconcile that whether there's joy or whether there's sadness, there's always God.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Well yeah. said.
0: So... Yes. Sure.
1: Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, 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 that's <laughs> left me speechless there, Ryan.
0: Well, me too. <laughs> that's not good for a podcast. <laughs>
1: All right. You know, with, with Roy, um, you know, one thing that I always got from him, and, you know, and, and especially in the beginning and starting out, and I didn't quite realize it at the time and it was years later, but it was no matter what he was, because he would, he would, you know, he, sometimes he would, uh, he would give me a hard time about certain things. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, like one time we were at a conference and I walked, I walked by and I saw him and I, I, I kind of like stopped and I put my hands together and I did like a namaste, kind of bowed to him. And, you know, later he, talking to him and he said i don't want any of these and he, he demonstrated what i did he goes i don't want any of these monkeys around me <laughs> you know, and he's giving me a hard time <laughs> he didn't like to be treated that way right uh, but you know and some of like the hard stuff that he would you know some of the things it was he was helping me grow and there right. would be it would feel like there was a little friction or there feel like it would feel like maybe there was some disapproval or, or leading me to be a different to, to change and I didn't, it didn't. Wouldn't feel good. But then he was. But there was always this other part of him that didn't. That was like really unattached. And then just pure like love. It was like so accepting and so much. Um, it was. It was like a, he had unconditional love. Like it's, right. he could be. He could be um, directing, directing. But he could also have this unattached, unconditional love about him. And I, I think that that is uh, one of the greatest things that I ever got from him was to have another human being who had that totality that you're talking about, like the whole experience, all that stuff, and and to just be sort of in it with him, and for him to just kind of recognize uh, that, or he would give you this energy of of um, like it, like it's all like it is, and this is okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I don't know if that makes any sense, but there was just this love, uh, this unconditional love that I, that, he, he would, that I felt from him. Right. You know? And,
0: yeah, that's, I can, you know, I, I can relate to that. And, and that's, when I think about people wanting to begin on this path and, and sort of some of the ideas that they have, you know, we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of ideas about what spirituality is supposed to be like. And, you know, for example, one of the things that that I really got into when I was uh, learning Vedic astrology and Ayurveda, I thought, well, I need to learn Sanskrit, too, because obviously, if I'm going to be a good yogi, we got to know Sanskrit, right? So so I began learning it, and I also got really heavily into um, uh, mantras. Like, I began learning any mantra I could, you know, long long mantras, short mantras, and uh, I was so excited about that. And I remember going to visit him uh, during a retreat in the spring one time. And I had my books with me. And I told him about the mantras I was learning and how I was learning Sanskrit and i learning all these wonderful things. And he looked at me and he said, "Well, oh, you'll outgrow that eventually. <laughs> and, uh, and, then he, and then he moved on. And I thought to myself, What does he mean? Doesn't he know? Surely Roy, a student of Yogananda's, knows how holy all of this is and what I'm doing. Is- <laughs> right and he just said ah, you, you all grow that eventually <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah I was yeah.
1: getting I was I was starting to really get and I, and I still you know Sanskrit is really hard for me being dyslexic it's it's probably something I'll never know very well and then with my pronunciations I have to work really hard right and I was talking to him a little bit about this privately and then one of the last uh, meditations that I was with him before he passed, he you know he was giving a talk and he he said yoga chitta vritti and he was giving a speech and then he said but after he said the Sanskrit he 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 said and that's all the Sanskrit I know just kind of, <laughs> and he winked at, you know and, you know he gives that, that little wink and right so kind of kind of similar in that way did did you have any
0: you know I'm I'm about to to tell a really kind of childish thing but maybe 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 you relate I don't know we'll see Um, one of the things that I always did especially in the beginning uh, actually pretty far in (laughs) one of the things I always did is uh, like every time we would I would meet with Mr. Davis um, you know really as I'm sure you experienced it was just kind of having a conversation you just Mm -hmm. sit down and it wasn't like let's meditate for hours in samadhi together. It was, no. no, let's talk about what's going on around the CSA grounds and how your work's doing and what I'm getting ready to publish and these sorts of things. Yeah. But um, if I didn't go to the chalet and meet with him, uh, when he would make tea or chai or whatnot, he would come to one of the, the, the guest houses and um, uh, I would always make him tea. But he only always drank like half the cup of tea I, I gave him. <laughs> so, of course, when he left, I thought to myself, well i've got to go drink that because surely there's some super <laughs> super spiritual power in there because of who he is so i'm just curious is is, is that only my childish thing or no did you no. do anything like that <laughs>
1: no, constantly you know there was a couple times where he wrote a little note you'd get like one time he was giving me directions to how, how to find uh, where yogananda had lived in 29 palms you know and he wrote that little note down or he gave me some books on cooking and different things. And like every single one of those things, you know, is like in a very special place wrapped in plastic, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And so, yeah, I would, I would do that. And every time I'd meet with them uh, in those extended times down the chalet, you know, I would would go and meditate, you know, and I would just, you know, it it was just such a special experience and anything uh, that he would say, I would try to remember and write down, but like you said, a lot of it was just, just kind of, you know, talking and just just very simple conversation right it would be hard to remember right you know because it was just it was just relaxed and just talking but yeah I would do anything like that um oh I know what I did this is this is maybe even you were you know you said you got to drink out of the cup I'm like oh you're lucky (laughs) (laughs) but when I would go um at almost every year where he, you know, where he, cause he would come in early in the morning park and then go up into his chalet up into his office. And there's all those little rocks that he would walk on. I would always take one of those rocks, <laughs> you know, and I have a bunch of them and it's like the guru walked on this rock, you know? And, <laughs> and, and so I know that that is, that is pretty childish in a lot of ways, but it, but it just, you know, it, it felt special to me. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Well, that's, um, I, I can remember, uh, I believe he, he. I believe Roy wrote about it in um, uh, his book, um, Paramahansa Yogananda As I Knew Him. So I don't, I think he did it too, because if oh, I recall true. correctly, didn't like Yogananda give him a banana one time and he thought he didn't want to miss yeah. any of the blessings from that. So he ate the peel as well. <laughs>
1: right. It, was that that's right? So true. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That's so fun. I guess.
0: I guess what this what this brings us to then is uh, the question of the idea. Since you know we have admitted the things that we did, and um, you know, Roy even said when you you tried to to to, to him, he said something about I don't want to be surrounded by these monkeys, right? So he was very clear that he didn't want special treatment in that way, yeah. right? And 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 you know having someone uh, a few times try to like touch my feet for some reason after a meditation seminar I'm like look you know knock that off like (laughs) there's no that's not what we need to do here so how could how do we reconcile that to let people know that hey you know this is part of the process but in in the long run like we grow out of that you know because even even with mr davis you know five years the last five years before he passed i really didn't do that anymore and it was it was more of just like a a a normal natural relationship and what i found was is is personally when that relationship became more like you know my 88 year old uh uh elder father figure person myself just being together without any of this kind of pretentious isn't really the word but that's the best i can think of without all all that that
1: circumstance yeah yeah
0: it, it, it actually became like the relationship became clearer it became more supportive. So how do we reconcile these little things that we do without, yeah, how, how do we grow out of that while also honoring that? And, and how do we help other people see that, you know, those things are, are, are good for devotion and, and that's probably a stage that people go through, but that's not where we want to stay. Any, any thoughts on that?
1: You know, I, I think that it's, you know, it, it, it's okay to have that love for the teacher and, and to really cherish those moments and to have that respect. But it, I think it's kind of what you were talking about with your with how you found your being authentic and how your creativity flowed and how things started to work more for you when you were doing what was right for you. And, and it, that, that growth that someone experiences when they start to see the totality of consciousness, that everything is one thing, that God is everyone, right? Not just the good, everyone and everything. And the more that we can one recognize that mentally, but to also start to experience that through meditation and through experiencing what Mr. Davis would say superconscious states, above ordinary states of consciousness. And the the more that you can practice that, and if you can't if you if you can't do it yet, the practice of imagining it, I I found that to be really helpful, right? Being able to imagine that you can experience these things can help you actually experience them. But the more you have that 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 mentality with everything you do, uh, that kind, other stuff, the separation, the duality, um, I, I feel like that kind of fades away. But at the same time, you know, you still might really cherish that cup sitting there. Right. <laughs> oh, completely. You know, it's okay to be human. It's okay to... <laughs> not to. Uh... Like I have some of Yogananda's hair, you know, and I really like cherish it. How'd you get that? A couple of different people uh, gave it to me. Wow. uh, It was passed on to them. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I remember again, the last time uh, that uh, Roy saw Melissa, uh, he came up to visit her um, while she was, you know, on her way out. Um, Ron drove Roy up and uh, we had tea. And we talked,
1: he came, that's like a three hour drive for him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he he came up and he stayed and Melissa was just ecstatic about it. But same thing happened. We we made tea and he drank half of it. And this time Melissa said, this time I get it. (laughs) (laughs) So, but uh, anyway, well, yeah, there's so many things that Uh, I know there's so much when we start out, it's just, And and even when I look back, you know, one of the things I do now uh, to have that sense of kind of attunement is I I don't, I kind of just remember like the experiences I had with Mr. Davis, like those moments when I would first showed up and as soon as I would leave the chalet, he would like pat me on the head, you know, kind of like that idea of giving Mm -hmm. a blessing or or like you mentioned, like the little winks he would do, those sorts of things. And so when I meditate and sometimes I'll just remember those things and I'll have a sense that you know, whatever clarity was was in those moments, because there was certainly clarity there. That I accept that right now, you know, t- to make it that it is it is ever present. That kind of I think helps us. That helps carry us through as as we evolve through life. And, you know, we have teachers and people in our life that are important to us, and they're going to pass. But that spirit, that energy, that consciousness, well, it becomes a part of us now. As you being a CSA minister, me doing the work that I do, like now that that it is our role and our job to share useful meditation information and, and share what we can to help people understand the Yoga Sutras or come to their own conclusions about it and so on. So I think it's important to recognize that we we are we are part of like a whole progression. Mm -hmm. and that progression is going to that progression is even going to continue obviously beyond us and way into the future and the that that the while things don't necessarily persist through time that consciousness does persist you know throughout all of that so absolutely yeah well anyway um i think we're we're coming to our time and so i i want to read just a quick quote because as we were talking about this i was reminded of um passage from uh, a text related to Lahiri Mahasaya and I think it might relate to what we've been trying to share throughout all of our stories Um, so this is this is from maybe the commentary on the Guru Gita anyway um, Lahiri Mahasaya had written that when the state I am all comes about in the after effects of Kriya, one witnesses the Supreme, which is the inexpressible thing, this beyond the beyond or the higher than the highest. There is nothing other than this. Then one is free from disease, meaning the mind does not go in other directions. And upon witnessing the Supreme, one becomes completely liberated from all attachments and connections and one sees that one brahman in everyone and everything it is known as oneness when all is seen as one for what can there be any desire immediately upon ending of desire one attains supreme peace yeah. I, that, I thought of that as we were just we were talking about all of this
1: That's great.
0: (laughs) But anyway, I really appreciate you taking the time. uh, Thanks for having me. To do this. And we have at least a a few more topics that we can reconvene on. Um, So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Those of you who want to find Ryan, Ryan Strong, he's in Sacramento, California. He's a CSA minister, a doctor of Ayurveda. He's also uh, a very proficient Vedic astrologer. So um, how could they contact you, Ryan? Do you have a website that you use?
1: My website is www.stronghealthcenter.org. Okay, stronghealthcenter.org. And I'll go ahead and
0: I'll put that into um, the information section below this, um, the, okay. the, pl- the play button. So, All right, will you be well, Ryan? And I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Okay, take care.
1: This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.